Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These, are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does I it say? it would be a good... <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> going well it's going really well <laughs> hello and welcome to the right and wrong podcast i'm emma and i'm jamie and today we're speaking to emma gray who is a scots poet and first-time novelist of be good to your mammy which is out soon hi emma hello. another emma hello. surrounded by emma's today it's great to have you on we're really excited to talk about your journey with this book you're actually the first guest we've had on who's going through unbound oh awesome which, yeah crowdfunding publisher so i'm excited to talk about that but before we do let's talk a little bit about mm. the book itself be good to your mummy which i hope i'm saying correctly you are yeah, uh, don't worry <laughs> just because the voice in this book is so striking and we'd love to hear a little bit about that choice of vernacular and its meaning for you mm, yeah so it's in scots language that's basically how Scots language works so good that's the spelling of good tea they're all they're all legitimate words in Scots <laughs> so basically um I'd, I worked in a care home when I was 17 till I was 19 which was a really unique experience to have when you're at uni and everyone else is you know going out to parties and stuff and I was just in a care home every weekend <laughs> but it was really the best place I could have been from a writing point of view because I was surrounded by all these older Scottish voices who would come away with lots of brilliant turns of phrase and um, I first wrote about it just after I left working in a care home working there in 2013 and then I would occasionally go back to it time and time again and then um, in 2015 I sort of had this idea of this old woman's voice which was sort of related to an old woman that I knew very well who's a family member and then it was um like all the old people combined into one this sort of fictional old Scottish granny and I started <laughs> one night with my parents talking in this voice and then um, I moved to Dublin in 2015 and I told someone who was also an author um, in a pub that I had this voice and he's like you should just write that as a novel that's a novel there's no two ways about it and it, it basically went from there and um, I was very inspired by another novel set in a care home called um, House Mother Normal and mm -hmm. it's written various different voices of residents in the care home so although my book it's only a very small part of it is set in a care home that would give you the wrong impression it's set in modern day Glasgow and it's about a family so it switches location quite a bit but all within the same town um but yeah I got the idea of writing in different voices so you've got your grandmother's voice you've got her daughter's voice and then you've got the two granddaughters voices so it's across three generations and I think Amazing. that insight into how people talk in Scotland these days oh. that's really interesting that is really cool I bet like being in a care home like you said was such an interesting experience to listen to pe other people's stories as well yeah. I guess and sort of not only listen to obviously the, the veneer the Scottish veneer as well but you know different point of views and their stories uh, did that inspire you in any way oh a hundred percent like there was there was so many sad stories but so many ones that stood out like one woman told me that she 
went for a pee during the blitz and that was like the only reason she survived and I'm like really? what oh my life she was in was because it was Clyde Bank and Clyde Bank I think it was 98% of the town got destroyed and um she was the librarian and yeah she was telling me about it things like that that you just wouldn't have you know believed and then we had one guy who was a paratrooper during world war Two, and he actually showed me his arm one morning and it was it was still messed up from world war Two. Wow. And I was like what and it was like he, it was such a brief moment it was maybe like a minute long but I've never forgotten him showing me his arm and telling me to feel it and I'm like he would have been um, 98 or something like that at the time so yeah he, wow. yeah it was crazy <laughs> yeah it's a great experience to have as like a like a young girl as well I guess like look, looking on life from from that perspective and hearing those stories yeah and I, I know um, Jamie said at the start of the interview, you're obviously publishing through Unbound, um, which is quite a new way to get into the, like obviously getting your book out there and getting Mm -hmm. it published. So can you tell us about how, or a little bit about how you went around doing that and and going into that route? Yeah, of course. So basically Unbound was on my radar from when it was actually established in 2011 because after I left high school, I joined a writing website called Jotify and Unbound, when they were just starting out, were looking on the website for a book to publish as one of the first titles. And they found a book called Conversations with Spirits by a guy called Edward Higgins. And that went on to be a bestseller. But I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to do that. But I, I my writing just wasn't at the right level I didn't have the story I was only 17 at the time but I always remembered Unbound and then um, when I was I, I knew another guy through that website there was I think there's been about three or four people who were there at that point who've actually gone on to get published by Unbound and um, through that I'd sort of seen the process happen more than once so I, I knew what was involved in crowdfunding a novel but obviously the reality of it's something different but basically I finished the manuscript for Be Good to Your Mammy in March 2018 and um, I spent the summer kind of tweaking with it a little bit it did need more editing and then just on a complete whim sent it to Unbound in the October and I really didn't think that it would get taken because I was unagented and it was just a complete like shot in the dark but Mm. I was familiar with their process and I had published a fair bit in literary journals beforehand which obviously helps and was a working journalist so again had obviously with Unbound part of it is like your platform that is they can't take on a writer who has no platform or else the book is just never gonna ever fund yeah no that makes sense I mean how does the um editing process work with Unbound how how do you are you edit did people help you edit your novel or were you just editing what was that process like just the same as in any other standard publisher it's completely the same once you fund so basically there was a structural editor um she was amazing so she just sort of went through checking that there was no plot holes she suggested rejigging things slightly and at that point the book wasn't written entirely in scots but we did change it so that two uh, sorry three quarters of the book are now in scots but that wasn't the case originally it was just the main granny's voice that was but we changed that and then um just the standard copy edit and proof it read really um but because of the pandemic obviously things took a bit longer than they would have like it's been a slow process yeah because it's like I mean how have you found the pandemic in terms of writing and have you had is have you found it easy or is it is it forced you to write more or do you think it's sort of 
you know been difficult to write during this time? I found it fine but I have been fortunate in the sense that like when I finished Mammy I started sort of writing like little short stories just to keep people who supported the book interested because I knew it was going to be a while before the book was out so I wanted to give back um mm. so I did that and then I had there's a place in London called Liars League um and they basically get submissions of short stories and actors perform them at nights that are usually in the phoenix at cavendish square but that's obviously oh that's really not been cool. a thing so i wrote two pieces for them i've had i had a piece in an anthology by guts publishing and that all kind of helped me get going but i also um started working with the scots language center off the back of the book and um basically scottish wikipedia was not written by scottish people so they've the scottish government has given funding <laughs> the Scots writers to fix it basically so I've been doing that <laughs> since September. <laughs> I mean that is so crazy yeah, <laughs> but it's not it's funny. mad. <laughs> that is so mad it doesn't make any sense does it <laughs> but at least it's getting rectified now that's a good thing. Yeah so I've been I've been busy with that and as part of that I get to do a creative project so I'm working on a novella right now in Scots which will be published through the Scots Language Centre Oh, that's great. It'll, it'll be done before Mammy, just because of how quickly I had to get it out. And I have got a second novel that I've been sort of working on in the background since I finished this one. Wow, that's great. And is there anything from Unbound in terms of now yeah. that they are publishing one of your books, do they do like multiple book deals or do they just sort of give you more attention the second um, time around? There is a second book clause, so they do get first dibs on the second book. But Oh, right. Okay. You know, I think it's very much like the offers do because it is so reliant on do you think you can fund again? Because there are offers who've published. There's a guy called Stephen, I can't pronounce his second name, Stephen Colgan. He's published about seven books with Unbound. Mm. Mad and crowdfunded all of them. But he said it got harder and harder each time. Ah. But my platform now is a lot bigger than what it was when I started with Unbound. And um, basically, towards the end, like I, I sold basically the last week where you could add your name to the supporter list I got like another like 40 supporters or something there was quite a, like a surge of support at the end which oh, I never got that much while I was actually funding it it was much more it took me eight months to fund it um oh, wow, okay. it was, quite, it was a sl- I knew I would get there but it was a slow it was a slow process mm. um what is the sort of day-to-day processes that you went through in terms of once Unbound have said, yes, uh-huh. we've signed your book and they work with you and the editing like that. What is then your role in the day-to-day pushing out your platform to get that funded? What did you do? So basically, none of the real happens until the book is funded. Nothing happens. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. So right. none of that process happens because obviously they're the money that you crowdfund is what's used to pay the editor, the copy editor, the cover design. It's basically a risk-free process for the publisher, which is why they can take, for example, a book written in Scots, which is niche. Mm. So because of that, they can sort of take a chance on more niche fiction without oh, right, right. the guarantee that it's going to sell hundreds of thousands of copies yeah. that you know the big five would be looking for. Um, so yeah. Um, how did you initially go about um, marketing your initial book just so that you could get that crowdfunding mm-hmm. um I mean I I recorded a video to promote the book and what oh. I did was um, I did some readings around London of the book when that was still a thing in 2019 <laughs> and you know I tried to come up with like incentives I plugged it a lot on Twitter like it got I got a lot of retweets like Neil Gaiman gave it a plug which was really great 
Um, So like it was really about like, you know, kind of going on your tail between your legs and asking people to support it if they had a bigger platform than you. And through that, it's really good in the sense that I know who the first readers of the book are going to be because I found them myself, really. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. So there's a real connection there. Yeah, so that that was really nice, and um, but it was it was hard. Like it's definitely there's a lot of books that don't fund because like the offer might have some sort of a platform, but they can't actually translate it into sales. It's de- it's not if you've just written a book and you've never tried social media, you don't have a Facebook page, you don't have a Twitter account or anything like that. It's not for you. It's not gonna. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. Now that you've done it once, mm. would you? be more confident about doing it a second time I don't know I really don't know like I think it was such a slog and I do feel my my book was supposed to be published by now it was supposed to be published in January but it got delayed because of the pandemic Mm. people have been waiting like a year and a half for the book after buying it which I feel bad about because and it's nobody's fault but it it's like oh that's a really long time to wait for a book but they yeah. didn't come on the journey with me, I suppose. And I have been putting out content like to the supporters the whole way through. But I'm also aware that it's a really long time to wait. So I'm like, I don't know if I would do it again. That's the honest truth. It really depends. Like, But Unbound have been really, really good. And I do like the the freedom. No one ever told it. All the decisions that got made were, ne- were my decisions at the end of the day. No one ever forced me to change anything that I didn't want to change. Did you have complete control over your page on Unbound as well? Yeah. So you get to choose the different uh, tiers. Yeah. And then the rewards that come with those. But you can't set the base price of the book that's like set already. So there is a right, cost okay. and there's ebooks had, I think the VAT for ebooks changed while I was crowdfunding. But yeah, that the, the tiers are set by Unbound, the lower ones, and then the higher ones, it's up to you to set them. The amount of money that they ask you to raise has varied quite a bit over the years. Mm. The amount I have to raise is not the amount that other people have had to raise. It does vary per book and stuff like that. Because I know that's kind of like the million dollar question, like how much money was it? It was five and a half grand. (laughs) Uh, Okay, right. Yeah, but that's like, apparently that's never going to be the case again. Like, because they're basically scrapping their digital list. So it will be over 10 grand from now on ah okay mm-hmm. all right that's okay that's good to know yeah, yeah that is okay good to know. and i see that you uh your highest one is called horcrux level <laughs> and you're offering uh and in your words a significant enough piece of my soul to make a horcrux of your choosing <laughs> <laughs> great that's amazing and apparently you have one pledge yeah i really love the diabolic podcast and then i was like oh shit how do i actually do that <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got, I got, I got a little idea, which is cute. So I'm going to do that because I was like, yeah. I did not think that through, but it was funny. I'm sure you'll see the funny side. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, and you've worked a lot, um, Emma, in journalism as well, and wrote yeah. for many um, outlets. So, how did you get into obviously writing? How was the transition? Sorry, from going from journalism into writing a novel was that quite seamless or I was writing a novel before I was a journalist. Ah, ah so yeah, then was, what was it like going from writing a novel going into journalism? I, it was kind of so I, I got a job I, I, as a sort of creative writer, not quite as a journalist. So I was writing long form content for a media company. And then right. 
within a, within about six months, the, jo- the, jo- the role started to switch towards journalism. And then I realized like I had to go and get my journalism papers, like get my shorthand and all that, which I've done now. But mm. yeah, it was, um, it's, it's, it's good in the sense that it keeps you on your toes. Like you're very used to writing well and you're used to writing and editing your own work because it's the like, journalism's obviously so fast paced yeah. and like, a lot of the non-fiction writing that I've done it's not a world away from fiction it's just you know if you're writing personal essays or whatever they're the truth and like I said if you're doing the news it does keep you on your toes with your ability to produce content quickly yeah it's such a quick turnover within journalism mm-hmm. as well isn't it it's, it's a very different world but similar in a way but that's such a good point in terms of you know, you being able to write copy quite quickly now. And when you are writing in terms of your style, um, do you find that you'll just sit and sort of, you know, hammer at the words for hours on end? Or do you find it's better to take breaks and come back to it? Um, What would your advice be on that? Well, pre-pandemic, I used to sit in like coffee shops for like three hours. You know, I could really sit there for a while um Mm. that's not been the case so much because I find it harder to concentrate at home like I've had more success sort of doing like you know 20 minutes but doing it consistently every night and in that 20 minutes I'm sort of averaging about 500 words but over the course of a week that does actually you know add up to quite a lot of writing so yeah I I am looking forward to things being normal though because I preferred the way I did it before (laughs) oh yeah I think we're all with you on that one yeah I know for sure are you um part as well Emma of any like writing groups or um or societies I'm not no (laughs) oh so this whole journey has been you solo it's been very solo yeah Right. No critique partners or anything like that? Well, I did a master's in creative writing at Trinity College at the Oscar Wilde Centre. So that's where I started writing the book in 2015. But it was a very different book back then. And we were very much, although it was written as a novel, we, we had to sort of, we had a limit on how much we could submit for our portfolio. And it was a research master's. So part of it was, you know, write a research like project into publishing and I actually chose Unbound before I was published by them as the as my sort of project so I interviewed lots of Unbound offers because I already knew them and um, got in touch with a couple of others so again I was very familiar with how the process worked before I went into it but I think the reality of it um, like John Mitchinson the guy that owns the company he said my my campaign looked really really seamless from start to finish and I think the reason it looked like that from the outside was just because I'd seen so many people do it so Mm. I knew what was expected of me and I was aware of roughly how long it was going to take I think so you'd kind of you kind of decided to do Unbound almost from the get-go did you look into traditional publishing and submitting to agents and things I never did it no (laughs) oh okay yeah I never I mean I think I would have like it wasn't it was just Unbound was always there on my radar and fortunately they took it first time and I know it's a really unusual situation to be in and like Mm, tried to get an agent as a non-fiction offer I've only applied once and I never got one because she said she had someone similar on her list and I did submit a non-fiction book that got to acquisitions which again was really good but I just um I feel like fiction's where I want to be right now and I'm quite happy to stick with the Scots language. Maybe that's something I'll do in the future, but right now 
I'm going to stick with Scots and stick with building my platform in Scots and see what opportunities come as a result of that. Because like I said, like the novella that I'm writing right now, it's going to be published by the Scots Language Centre. And I wouldn't have really considered that as like an option. And like I was mm. commissioned to write it, like I, I got paid to write it. Like, And these are all things that came through Unbound. So although I wasn't given an advance or anything like that at the beginning, I've, I've certainly not lost any money as a result of doing it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It seems like it's giving you a really good advantage in terms of having um, s- supporters as well, because like you said, it's it's taking you through them through a journey of your writing as well. Um, and so hopefully those people, obviously, because they've invested time and waiting for the book and, you know, they, they'll follow you throughout, you know, your career and, and especially writing um, in the Scots language as well. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, it's, that's really exciting. Are you? I know you previously said you. Are you working on something right now? Did you say you? Yeah, I've got a, on a novel that I've been working on since 2016. So it's actually taken me longer to like because Mammy was happening, and then I crowdfunded it, and I've got all these other things to do. I'm hoping to get a first draft done this year. So very keen to get back into coffee shops and sort of <laughs> have my normality with that one, but. If I have to do it at home, I have to do it at home. It's not the end of the world. But yeah, it's called Kathy Get Your Dancing Shoes On. And oh. it's entirely in Scots. But um, I actually am working with the same editor from Unbound. I got in touch and asked her if she wanted to work with me on this one. And we had like an hour long phone call. So she's the only person who's really seen it. And she liked it. She was very glad that like I didn't scrap it because I do want to write a sequel to the first book. But she very much thinks that this project's the right thing to do right now. And, and I will go back to the main character of the first book at some point I think mm. yeah it's, it sounds really fun and and you know in terms of everyone having to adapt to what the world is like now which hopefully fingers crossed will be out of soon enough um I think you know it, it has really helped in terms of I guess people's writing techniques I guess because you're have you're having to find a new way would you say of, of things that you're not used to to doing <laughs> I guess yeah definitely very consciously finding the time like before it was almost like oh I'll go to this place and I'll work and now it's like you have to work where you are you haven't got a choice mm-hmm. you have to sit down and get it done wherever that happens to be um which is easier said than done I think I can I can see why people you know, might feel pressured to do something worthwhile with this time when no one has to do anything. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been an interesting one to, to adapt to it, I think. And and you've had to, um, in terms of social media, mm-hmm. um, you've had to have quite a presence on there, I'm guessing, because of obviously Unbound being, um, you know, crowdfunded. Do you think in general having a social media presence uh, so, sorry a social media presence is important when thinking about publishing a book yeah it's absolutely essential like I know mm. I know someone who um got an agent in 2017 and when they got the agent I was very much like oh it's going to be ages before it's my turn and I'm actually they, they've never had a book deal um and mm. in my opinion part of the reason for that is because they have no social media presence and I know someone else who, again, you know, said to me, like, you know, maybe I would have taken a contract with Unbound when I told them that I'd been published. And I was like trying to advise them and saying, look, you really need to start 
you know, as you're finishing your manuscript, start tweeting about it, start following publishers, start following other writers that you like, because you might be asking them for a cover quote down the line. And, you know, their response was very much, you know, if a publisher likes it, they'll do all the work for me. And that is really not how publishing works anymore. It's definitely the onus is on the offer to at least get off the ground from what I've seen and I've spoken to people who've published with like HarperCollins and stuff and again it's like unless you're like already a famous whatever it's really on you especially with fiction because it it is harder to you know as a first-time offer to find readers that are gonna want to pick up your book. Mm, Definitely that's 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 really true. And going from new readers onto new authors as our first guest who's been on Unbound and gone through that process, what would you recommend Unbound as an avenue to new authors? I would definitely recommend it, but I would cautiously recommend it. And I would look at your circumstance and think, is this something that you can do? Because fundamentally, you're going to have to ask people for money. Is that something you're confident enough to do? Are you confident mm. enough to tweet about your book every single day? And, you know, people might ignore it and you know you might get people who say well you know if your book was good enough to get published the publisher would pay all the costs without realizing that you know there's a huge loss to a publisher and you know once you factor in the cost of producing a book you have to sell a lot of books for a book to justify its existence with Unbound the book's already justified its existence so there's no there's no loss on the publisher's part whereas if you go that's a really nice way of looking at it I actually not thought about it that way yeah definitely whereas if you go for traditional publisher and they give you a big advance of like you know five figure well even yeah five figure advance and um your book doesn't sell they've wasted all that money on you you're basically Mm. like as I was told you're basically kind of blacklisted because they wasted their money on you who wants to publish an offer who got a big advance and their book never sold whereas with Unbound if your book doesn't sell nothing's really lost yeah there's a lot more pressure on having a it the the opposite way now that's a very good like light that you've shone on that definitely Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say look at your social media if you've not got so even if you're planning on going for like with a traditional publisher an agent's going to ask you how many followers you've got like I know agents and I was told that you know they aim for about the 10,000 mark on at least one social media I don't even have 10,000 followers but apparently oh, that's, that's the sort of number that they're looking for mm-hmm. and then you know without a social media following especially with fiction it's like who's going to buy this book if no one knows who you are do you have any contacts who would be willing to help you out who'd be willing to tweet your book so it's definitely like start immediately when it comes to that like I don't have a website and personally I don't think it's that necessary until you're maybe you've got a book out so I'm planning on doing one now but definitely publishing as many literary journals as you can even publishing essays like say you're writing a book and it's you know to do with mental health like write essays for different publications and um get your name out there and the more writing you've got out there the much better chance you'll have whether it's with unbound or traditional a more traditional route that's excellent advice really is really good advice we were actually going to move on to (laughs) what three pieces of advice would you give to would-be writers so I guess (laughs) um you've answered a couple of them but if you have you know any more um pieces of advice or golden nuggets that you would give please uh yeah do share I think the main one is to um like don't try and be anybody else but yourself I think Mm. when it comes to writing 
there's definitely, especially these days, there's definitely a tendency to think, oh, these types of books are selling right now, so I'm going to make my book tick all these boxes. And it's like, yeah. by the time your book's ready, it's probably going to be something else that's in right now. Just write the book you want to write, mm. and it'll it'll either do something or it won't, but at least you'll have written the story that you wanted to write, and you'll have you know, put that thing into the world, regardless of whether or not anyone sees it. Like with my book, I wanted to write this story regardless of whether or not anybody saw it it was definitely it was very cathartic for me to write there was a lot of it deals a lot with invisible illnesses it deals a lot with OCD it goes into different sort of things and I I wanted to write that story for me not for anyone Mm. else it's just been a bonus to sort of I like the fact that by publishing I've been able to draw a line under it and it's not just this file on my computer that I could you know endlessly tweak like it's nice to sort of yeah have a handover date and have a date to let it go I like that yeah that's a great piece of advice thank you so much and I think we have our final question now so Jamie would you like to uh answer, I would love to ask the ask answer no don't <laughs> answer it that's for Emma to answer I can't answer this only Emma has the answer <laughs> yeah exactly and Emma the final question we have for you is if you were stranded on a desert island with only a single book which book would you take 1984 oh oh straight away no hesitation nice that was the quickest answer we've ever had for this <laughs> yeah. I love that the confidence yeah. was there I, I love it look, I just I remember the first time I read it and I was only about 15 and I was like this is just great it's still simply written as well mm. it is and yeah. it feels like it gets more true and relevant as time goes by yeah like I, I love it maybe there was a day when I would have maybe said like Gatsby or something like that but that's Mm. definitely the one book that's really really stuck with me and don't get me wrong there's some great books there's even unbound books that I would like totally recommend there's a book called Pure um, about OCD which is really really worth a read Um, Mm. I'm reading one right now by a lady called Erica Bust called um, This Party's Dead about her traveling to all the world's death festivals and I know that like even like a little bit in that it's one that's going to really resonate with me I think oh great Oh, thank you so much, Emma. Yeah, thank you for your time and thank, and thank you, so you for having me. Yeah, definitely. We've we've loved speaking to you and um it's been great to hear about your journey and we wish you literally all the best of luck with, yes. with everything that happens with your um good to your mammy. And I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and take care. I hope the rest of lockdown isn't too bad to you. Oh, thank Thanks. you. Hopefully you. it isn't long. <laughs> As well. And I hope extracting part of your soul isn't too painful. <laughs> <laughs> To keep up with everything that Emma is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Emma Gray Author or on Instagram at Emma Paints Things. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.